Dear fellow redeemed, we consider briefly our gospel reading, especially from the gospel of Luke. And we'll also, of course, consider the other two readings, which are definitely connected. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And that was the message that the angels had for the women. The women had woken up early that morning. They had done all their preparations after sundown the night before, perhaps similar to the way that maybe you had prepared some things the night before, set the meat out to defrost in the fridge, or lay out the morning breakfast or the morning clothes, maybe even hide a few Easter eggs around the house for the kids. And the women weren't preparing for a celebration. They were preparing to finish the work that had been hastily done, hastily done before sundown on that Friday. And as they get up and they all go there and they are so concerned and so overwhelmed with grief that they hadn't thought about the rest of the details like, oh shoot, (laughs) there's a gigantic stone in front of that tomb. And how are we going to open that? And they come over the crest of the hill, and the stone is rolled back. And like, from a human perspective, then everything just starts breaking loose. One lady goes running back. Mary goes running back to tell the disciples. The others go ahead to the tomb, and they find an angel. They find two angels. The angel who had rolled back the stone and sat on it. The other angel, and one of them, saying, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? They had come with with grief in their hearts, and failure on their minds, with love for their Savior, and the somber task of preparing that body for its final resting place. And they were met with a surprise. A surprise that shouldn't have been a surprise because Jesus certainly told them about it, but they were met with a surprise. He's not here. He is risen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. That's going to be a refrain, so feel free to join in. <laughs> the angels meet them with this, with this announcement that Jesus had risen from the dead. And the women are so overexcited and overemotionalized and overwhelmed that they go running back and somewhere they miss Peter and John sprinting to the tomb. And Peter looks in and John John looks in and, and Peter charges in. And they go away scratching their heads because they hadn't yet understood that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. But there were some who already knew that Jesus had risen from the dead. You think of um, just the day before, Caiaphas going to the Romans and saying, can you make sure to to lock the tomb shut and maybe post a guard because I know nothing's going to happen. But that deceiver said that he would rise from the dead. And Caiaphas, in his own confession of faith, he recognized that the words of Jesus could be nothing but true because Jesus had already raised Lazarus from the dead. And Jesus had already proven time and again that he was the Son of God. And in his ignorance, in his arrogance, he says, I don't want to believe that Jesus could raise himself from the dead. 
And you might think that, that those, those Roman soldiers posted at the tomb who shook and became like dead men at the earthquake and when the angel pushed the stone away, that they would have been the first to hear that Christ is risen. He is risen but they weren't. Because the angel rolled the stone away not to, not to let Jesus out, but to demonstrate that Jesus had already risen from the dead. And there was somebody else that already heard that Jesus had risen from the dead. Because sometime, I don't know the exact time frame, but it would be sometime after sundown on Saturday, which was when the new day would start, or maybe sometime, you know, two in the morning, three in the morning, Jesus came back alive again. His soul returned from heaven to that body that God had preserved from decay. The blood started circulating again. And he unwrapped the clothes and folded them up nicely to show that not only he had been taught well by his mother, but also that this wasn't a grave robbery. And he laid them out just there on the bed where he had been placed. And then he left. The very first thing that he did after coming alive again is he descended into hell. That's what we talked about in the, the second article to the Apostles' Creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And I should have put a comma there. Because that was where the victory parade started. And the very first, not people, the very first beings to hear that Christ is risen... He is risen indeed, was Satan himself, and was all the other demons with him who had opposed Jesus and who had inspired and incited unbelief in the people who opposed Jesus. And so Jesus goes down into hell before anybody else knows. He announces to the devil and to everyone else there in Satan's domain where the host shouted and jeered. They thought Jesus had been slain, but short was their triumph. The Savior arose, and he walked through, walked through, demonstrating that he has complete authority over hell itself, demonstrating that all those who had opposed him, and even that one pictured there in the serpent underneath the stone, the one who had tempted Adam and Eve to rebel against God, that one had been crushed in the resurrection of Jesus. And the devil himself, that ancient enemy of God's people, was the first one to hear that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And it didn't stop there. That's like where the whole parade started and it continues today. We hear about Jesus appearing to the disciples on that evening when they're in the room with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, and then a week later when Thomas joins them, we hear about Jesus um, appearing to the disciples on that mountain in Galilee at the end of Matthew, probably, possibly the, that group of 500 that Paul talks about from the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We hear how Jesus had appeared specifically and personally to Peter, Peter who had been carrying the guilt of having denied his Savior, and now seeing firsthand that this Jesus had been raised from the dead for his forgiveness. We hear how, how Jesus had appeared to the Apostle Paul when he was still going by the name Saul on the road to Damascus. 
when he was looking to persecute God's church. And Jesus didn't just appear to him as some sort of a vision and a bright light up in the sky, but personally with his body. Because the Jesus who joined our humanity nine months before Christmas, that Jesus is still just as human today and forever. Do you see the, the great expanse of God's work for you? That in his rescue mission, he not only joins himself to you in your humanity, sharing the same human flesh as a son or daughter of Adam, but also going through the death that is inevitable to us all, and then raising himself from the dead to guarantee that he has power over that death, to guarantee that the banner over your life isn't what you accomplished or what you failed at, but that the banner over your life is that Christ is risen. And how do you know that? Because it's right there as you enter the sanctuary today. The sanctuary, you know, that word describing this, this holy place where we meet God. And as you enter into the sanctuary, as you enter into God's presence, you see how we are brought into God's presence through holy baptism. That there at holy baptism, no matter the age, whether you are a baby or, or far from it, that there at holy baptism, Jesus raised you from the dead too. It was as though you were clothed with the grave clothes that he was wrapped in. And then he brought you out to say that you have life with him now and forever. So that you can say that this Jesus who raised himself from the dead through that work there. That means that because Christ is risen, I have been raised with him. And I no longer live on, on myself and for my own purposes and for my own good. But for the praise of him who loved me and gave himself up for me. That changes everything. That the victory of Jesus, that the victory of Jesus, yes, is, is part and parcel of, of him becoming human of him joining himself to our humanity and that resurrection, that historical fact of Jesus raising himself from the dead, probably the, the best attested historical event ever, that historical fact isn't just a remembrance that we celebrate today of something that happened 2,000 years ago or some incredible victory that we remember as though it is only history. You know, like the Battle of Waterloo or the Battle of Gettysburg or fill in the blank. But it's history that's been brought to your life, to your life too. And the way that you know that is because that Jesus who raised himself from the dead promised that in that water, that water together with his word, that he raised you from the dead too. His promise is that there he created faith there he gave forgiveness. There he wrapped in righteousness. There he bestowed life. And there he says, Dear child, you are alive. You've been raised from the dead. 
And you've been made a member of this, this victory march throughout time and space and history. You've been given the comfort and the certainty that your sin has been forgiven. And that God has done the work of creating faith and forgiving sin. And you now live under this banner that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And that, that truth changes everything. It has to. Because, I mean, you end up at, um, at this, this conundrum. Either Jesus is exactly correct, and all the witnesses are true, and he raised himself from the dead exactly as he said, and therefore his promises still stand firm today, or the other option is, well, saying that it isn't. But if Jesus raised himself from the dead, and he did, then that is not only the turning point in human history, but the turning point in your life too. And that's, that fact is grounded in in the way that Paul describes it in the book of Romans chapter 6, and we'll talk about that next week in our Bible class, 10.15 a.m. That in Romans chapter 6, Paul talks about baptism as fact, the exact same way as he talks about the resurrection of Jesus as fact. That there at baptism, you have been raised with Jesus. That there at baptism, it doesn't depend on your emotion or how you feel about it. But there at baptism, Jesus gave you his resurrection and wrapped you in resurrection. So that your life isn't, is now characterized by that refrain, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And that truth is something that, it's true, the devil hated to hear that first Sunday. And he still hates to hear today. But don't be afraid, because Christ has raised himself from the dead. And about the, the best example that I can think of, of how this um, changes things, it was a little over 100 years ago, shortly after the, the Bolshevik Revolution in, in Russia, and in downtown Moscow, the, the new party leaders had come, and uh, the guy's named Lunachatsky, he was one of the party leaders, and he talked for an hour and a half, maybe two hours, about how they were displacing the religion that the people had believed, and that their religious fervor was misdirected and, and now superseded by something better. He talked for an hour and a half, almost two hours, and everybody sat there quietly listening. And then there was this one priest and his name escapes me at the moment, and I don't, I'm not even sure if we know it, but he had been newly, freshly ordained, this 26-year-old guy. And he stood up from the back, and he said, well, can I just say one thing? And, uh, and this official, this government official says, sure, I'll, I'll give you two minutes. <laughs> and this guy says, well, I don't need two minutes. And standing there in the back, he called out in a loud voice, Christ is risen. 
And the whole area, the whole room, the whole auditorium exploded with that refrain in response. Because they can't rebury Jesus. They tried to kill him, but they couldn't even do that. He was the one who laid down his life. He was the one who has authority to take it up again. He is the one who still governs, guides, guards, and protects his church, his people today. He is the one who has broken the power of death and kicked the door off the door of death, kicked it completely off its hinges. He was the one who rose from the dead to say, Dear friend, that the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, that the mortal has been clothed with immortality, that the way your body breaks down now, it's not going to be like that forever. And that when your body and soul separate, that's just the temporary status until you have your own resurrection. And until Jesus brings you body and soul with a glorified body to live with him forever. In that place of no more death or mourning or crying or pain. It's true, we're not there yet. But it's equally true that that is the reality for each of us today that that is the reality with which you were baptized at your baptism. That is the reality with which the ascended Lord Jesus encourages our faith today with these facts of the resurrection, with his own body and blood in this sacrament, with the reality of your baptism, and with the truth that Christ is risen.